Hey Skulls and Shadows, welcome to the first episode of Bard's Tale, a new segment on the podcast where we dig deep into the legends and the inspiration behind some of Blind Guardian's greatest stories. Now the first episode is the first part of a mini-series dedicated to the concepts of Beyond the Red Mirror, um, and in it we will discuss the uh, characters and scenario, but keep your eye out for the future episodes where we discuss the events of the album. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, this one will take a much more immersive uh, approach um, in storytelling. So let me know what you think. And if you have a question of one of our guests upcoming on the podcast um, or you want to learn more about us, check us over on Facebook. Without further ado, the ninth wave is upon us. Before we begin, I wish to say that this story has been interpreted by many bards far wiser than I am. Uh, I make no claims that it is accurate, but this is merely a skald's interpretation of Beyond the Red's Mirror. Nevertheless, I hope you enjoy the journey, no matter how accurate or inaccurate my insight might be. Our tale takes place in a world caught between cynicism and science, not unlike our own. This is the land of here and now. Her people are controlled by corrupt politicians and governments. These snakes utilize any and all resources at their disposal, from science to faith, bastardizing all they touch in a selfish pursuit of power and influence. It is in this land where a seemingly ordinary boy, the chosen one, would be born. After the events of the third wave, the jackals saw opportunity, and the here and now, even time itself, may never be the same. The Promised Land has gone by many names, from Avalon to Discordia. But for the sake of our story, let's remember her as she was, the place called Camlin. This land of magic and wonder is seemingly ruled by nine strange beings who wield a mysterious and seemingly unlimitless power. But not as all as it appears, my friends. For this world exists within the imagination of the boy named Arthur, the Chosen One. It is the child's gifts that birth the Promised Land. The books, which he has lost himself in, shape this world and give a spark of life to the beings who call it home. It is his influence and choices, unbeknownst to him, that bring about the waves that threaten to destroy both the here and now and Camlin. But before we can tell that story, what is an opus without heroes and heretics? Let's take a closer look. The Eons. Both entity and essence. Fire. He is both the sculptor of Camelot and her destroyer. It is he who has forged the mirrors. He is the father of the night, and in part the fallen one. He who controls fire in this land has the means to control the world but not without the cost of many lives. Void, the sister of time and the mother of the nine, and in part the fallen one, she exists beyond the wall at the edge of the world. And like fire, she finds comfort in the consumption of existence, yet still she relies on the cycle of time and fire that brings about new life for her own subsisting. Time, the self-proclaimed queen of the fairies, 
and sister to the void. Wisest of the eons, she bears witness to all, past and yet to come. Though she observes the events of her existence, she would not take an active part in them, lest someone would attempt to wield her, or change that which has happened. She sees the coming events, but does nothing to alter them, until the end of existence, and even the eons themselves, becomes a reality. She fears her nephew the Fallen One, and what his actions, however necessary to others they may seem, might bring. Space. He who inhabits the mirrors. Serving both as their voice, and as passage to those who travel between them, space exists outside the mirrors, yet between them as well. He does not inhabit the Promised Land, nor the here and now. Fear. He is the final and youngest of the eons, or perhaps he merely hid his presence until now. In either case, though not served in the same way as the others, he becomes prevalent in Discordia. The Nine. Would-be rulers of Camlin, and wielders of strange arcane magics. Despite being born after the world's creation, they are mistaken by Camlin's people as gods. And though they may lack the resources of the eons, they are aware of how to get such power and would risk anything to do it. For the meantime, they are content with maintaining their illusion, each having taken a moniker of an animal in order to disguise their true selves. Though the Nine have hidden themselves from the Chronicles, five are indisputable. The Crow, would-be leader and conspirator of the Nine, manipulating them at every turn. The Hare, a murderer and colluder. The Fox, a greedy opportunist. And the Toad, the betrayer. There is another, the Bear. But the hour is still too early yet for his story, my friends. So let us return to the here and now, where men and women of the highest power assume control. The bards have dubbed these jackals the technocrats. Their lust for power seemingly has no end, and after the events of the third wave, they seize the magic of Camelot and use it to their own selfish gain. We come at last to the bridge between these two worlds. The boy named Arthur the Chosen One, Bright Eyes, the boy of the here and now. During the events of the third way, Arthur is still troubled by a great many things in his personal life and has not yet realized his power. For one, he is at odds with his parents, who have been taken in by the technocratic evangelists on TV, who Arthur sees right through. Though, shockingly, his faith would not be lost to this, it does trouble him deeply, and he is blinded by a fear of life. His relationship with his parents has left a deep void within his heart, and the fires of resentment burn deeply. Time itself is his enemy, for if he was older, perhaps he could influence the world around him. He feels trapped and desires an escape and a release from the here and now. He finds this release in his newfound love, literature. From the Arthurian legends to Alice in Wonderland, 
Arthur becomes completely lost in these worlds of his own imagination. Unbeknownst to him, this would give birth to Camelot and the beings we call it home. Each story he absorbs becomes part of its mythos. It has a direct effect on the other world, unbeknownst to him. However, among all these characters that have absorbed his imagination, one stands out as a particular influence over the Chosen One. The king called Arthur, whom the boy respects, both in virtues and ideals. Unbeknownst to him, these characteristics, which he sees in himself, would give birth to the most noble and respected of the nine, the being known as the Bear. The Bear represents a direct reflection of the Chosen One mainly all his best qualities. From his honesty to his integrity, the bear stands for the morality of the Chosen One, and is no longer content with this web of deception that the Nine have chosen. For this he would pay dearly. The Chosen One's greatest qualities personified themselves in the being known as the bear, but man is not made by rectitude alone, and soon the nihilism ever growing in his heart would embitter him changing the fire that once burned passion to hatred and contempt. It changed the void which once opened the door to creativity into a well of darkness and isolation. Soon it began to embitter him towards all authority. Much like the bear, these qualities would also be personified into the land of Camelot. However, into Arthur's darkest reflection, the being known as Mordred, the Fallen One. Wielding the power of his father Fire, Mordred seeks to create a new reality, a new world other than the Promised Land, one ruled by fear, warped by his image. He seeks to create a world where faith and magic have no meaning, and in this cruel land he would dub Discordia, he would crown himself king. This, dear friends, is where our story begins, and where this chapter closes. Fear not, my friends, we will return with a follow-up episode with any luck this month. Um, but keep your eye out, and keep an eye out for the next episode of the podcast. We haven't gone anywhere. But for now, let's leave it to the memories and kiss the wind goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed this first episode of Bard's Tale, and if you did, please share it around, listen to it on any medium you like. And if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Until the next time, my friends, farewell.